Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by just me. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Supervising video producer at Polygon, Simone de Rochefort. <laughs> um, and I'm joined today, of course, by my wonderful co-host, Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub and Brianna Wu, executive director at Rebellion Pack. We got a fun and messy, messy show for you today. All of our topics are messy. Why Why are they messy? Uh, because I guess the tech industry is just kind of a garbage fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last time it wasn't a garbage fire? Because I don't. I would like to go to there. I Good miss point. those days. Maybe we can do a historical retrospective on like the last <laughs> year that the tech industry wasn't a garbage fire. We'd have to. We'd have to brainstorm which year that might have been. <laughs> Might take a lot of work. <laughs> I, Christina, when would that like when was the point where when was the last point you felt the tech industry was generally good and fun? <laughs> like I'm thinking when the Retina MacBooks came out, maybe. Yeah, I, well, I, don't I, know. I mean, yeah, I, I was gonna say probably like 2014, maybe 2015. I don't know. It's been a it's been a really long time. I'm also uh, uh audience. I'm hot, so I'm going to be like I'm. I'm especially like uh, not uh, pleased with the tech industry today because <laughs> I live in a luxury apartment building without central air, and I can't have any air on while I'm recording, and it's 90 degrees indoors. Disastrous. All right. Well, then let's get through it. Top story of the day: Instagram is officially awful Terrible. now, and the Kardashian Jenners themselves are fighting back, fighting the man. Um, Kylie and Kim shared a post asking Instagram to be Instagram again. That is to stop pushing reels in feeds and trying to become TikTok. If you've been on Instagram lately, you might have noticed Instagram and its parent company Meta are majorly pushing video content on the platform and users in return, like especially ones who have have been on the app for a long time and are like photographers and use it to, you know, display their photography, have noticed a, a decrease in engagement on their feed posts, aka the regular photos that Instagram launched with. Um, new changes that are being rolled out, I, I think, to to users, including, unfortunately, myself, are taking Instagram even further from its uh, photo-based roots. Uh, so I recently, as I think I mentioned last week, I made a second account because I wanted to follow Formula One drivers and Formula One teams. And when I made that account, I was put in Instagram's full screen beta, which mm. is I think one of the worst app experiences yes. I have ever had. And we can definitely it's get awful. into that in more detail. But first, uh, I'll just open the floor up to you two uh, on how you feel about, I guess, the community pushback to like Adam Masseri uh, and Mark Zuckerberg's comments about Instagram pushing video aggressively. It's terrible and it's pathetic. And um, it is acting like followers and like scared little people rather than like by leaders and innovators. And what's interesting to me is, I mean, I think it's to me is indicative that like Adam Osseri, who took over from Kevin Systrom, who created Instagram and and ran it for, you know, um, when it was good and then left uh, apparently amid like disagreements with Zuckerberg and and other people. Um, it shows to me that like he's absolutely not the right person to be in charge of this because he's mm. 
really only cares about trying to push like Facebook's bottom line. And no, I will not call them meta, but like, you know, trying, trying to get like their engagement and trying to, you know, figure out their existential crisis rather than actually creating a platform that is distinctive and good, which is what Instagram was like. Mm-hmm. We we were doing this podcast when Instagram like blatantly straight up like plagiarized Snapchat stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that back then, like if I were to go back and like listen to my take on it, I'm sure that I made fun of them for copying so blatantly. But even as someone whose like job was sort of dependent on the Snapchat contract that Mashable had, which was based on our like stories and, and discovery feed stuff, I still had to admit that Instagram did a really great job with the copying and actually added some features and made it better. And in some ways, they was like, okay, well, game respects game. Like you copied the hell out of it, but you also made it better. Whereas when I look at this, I'm like, okay, it's not, I'm not saying that video can't work on Instagram. They've been doing video for close to a decade now. I was at the launch event when they first introduced like small video clips, but mm-hmm. it's just that Instagram is not TikTok. And, yeah. and it, there, there are different experiences and people go into it with different expectations. And this is one of those examples where you don't have the product leadership who can actually copy it correctly and your users off. So that's, that's my small rant. Yeah, I was, I was, and just to give listeners just a little bit of background. Uh, so, uh, the Kardashians basically, uh, got on social media. Uh, was it yesterday? Was it today? Today is when I saw the story on this, uh, basically comp- complaining, saying, let's let Instagram be Instagram again. And, uh, almost immediately after that, because the worth of the company went down by like $15 billion the last time they went after a social media company, I saw the uh, Adam Lasari uh, video, basically. It was so like the sad. most st- strategic hostage video I've oh. ever seen oh, in my the, life. Yeah, and the response, the responses yeah. okay, were amazing. The responses both on, because he put it on Twitter and he put it on Instagram. And the yes. responses on Instagram were nuts. The, the, the top response when I saw it yesterday, so we're recording this on Wednesday. So when I saw it Tuesday, when it went up, the top response was from none other than like canceled, like celebrity, like, like influencer, <laughs> whatever, James Charles, who was just like, like reading him for filth. Like when James Charles <laughs> is dragging you and I'm like, yeah, you go girl, you tell him. Like when that's my response and not being like, ew, James Charles, like, you know, it's bad. Like literally every single person, except I think Taylor Lorenz was like dragging them for this. Yeah. What was Taylor saying? She wrote, and look, I like Taylor. Taylor's a friend of the pod. I appreciate her. She wrote for her Substack something that I, I actually completely disagree with, which was she said that um, she thinks that people don't actually want Instagram to be like it was, that they really want something new. And I think that that's misunderstanding what people's complaints are because mm-hmm. it's not that people want, like, I agree with her that people don't want Instagram to be what it was in 2012, 2013. I actually agree with that. I think that social media and how we communicate has evolved. I'm not saying that, but I, I actually disagree because I, I do think that Instagram and TikTok are two distinctly different platforms and they have very different ways that people use them. One is you're connected to people you know. One is an interest graph. And I, I think that like getting that twisted and 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 like both from an Instagram slash meta standpoint and, and also like if you're looking at like this macro analysis, I think that kind of misses the point. Like I do think that it may it makes great copy for the Kardashians to say make Instagram Instagram again. Like that's brilliant. And and they're good at what they do. 
Um, but I think that a lot of the the malaise from people is not even so much that it's video. It's that like I don't see anybody that I know or people that I've even chosen to follow. Like I'm yes. seeing this so, stuff that is not anything that I've wanted to to do. It's just things that the algorithm thinks will engage with me that I've never shown any interest in. Building on that, I I agree. Like I think that it could be valid to say that maybe we don't want to go back to Instagram. 2012 or Instagram 2020, whatever that was, maybe we do genuinely want something new. But as you said, what they're doing is TikTok, but worse, Um, which Mm -hmm. brings me to I would love to describe for our listeners who might not be on Instagram and also who even more smaller, a smaller pool might not be in the full screen beta. The the way that it works is actually ridiculous so now on the home page, I am legitimately like on uh, top of the feed have been served content from accounts that I do not follow that are just related to hashtags. And the way that the scrolling works, it will scroll and stop like it's not a smooth scroll. It'll scroll until the video or photo is full screen and stop. And then you scroll again and it scrolls and stops and scrolls and stops. So there's no like actually fast, smooth way to get through content because it keeps stopping and making you look at it full screen. Um, And on top of that, like I said, it's all just completely mysterious stuff that I I did not ask to be served, which is very confusing. Um, And there is a tab, I think, which is present on regular Instagram as well, where you can just go to your following. But when you go there, it's completely full screen and it takes out, I think, the like the story controls that at this point I'm pretty used to like having that at the top of my feed and being able to, to access those. Um, I have more to say about stories, but we'll, we'll loop back to stories later. So it's just a weird, very disorienting experience. And uh, a few days ago I was tweeting about this because I was having a lot of trouble (laughs) as a millennial figuring out how the sound was supposed to work on Mm -hmm. this new Instagram um, because I would go and, okay, there's a, there's a reel or a video playing and it's my phone volume is too freaking loud. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm watching this, but it's so loud. I press down on my volume button and the sound shuts off and I can no longer, (laughs) I press volume up thinking, oh, well, let's bring it back on. No, it, it doesn't come back on. I have to toggle on and off my like side volume switch on the iPhone to get the volume back because in these full screen videos, there's no longer a little volume on off uh, button like there is in Instagram that is not the full screen beta. Like there, there's a little sound button in the bottom corner. You can tap it to mute or unmute the video, um, which is really nice to be able to control in a way that is visible at all times. Um, and this, it, it, it was just so mysterious what it wanted me to do to be able to turn down my volume and then to turn on the volume of the video that I was watching. I don't understand what they're going for. It's just terrible design. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's, it's terrible just terrible design. design that they clearly haven't tested. That they clearly, who knows what they're doing. Anyway, sorry, go on. No, that's pretty much the end of my my experience with the full screen beta rant. I see uh, immediately why creators who got on the platform to share photos are frustrated. Like um, Jamie Beck is one photographer that I follow. She lives in France yes. and she, yeah, we all know Jamie Beck. Uh, she makes still lives. So she'll spend hours making a still life out of flowers and then photograph it in, in extremely high mm-hmm. resolution and post that photo. Um, 
And like she can make video content. She's in a position where she can do that because she can record the process of her making the still life. But her actual art is this incredibly like heavily edited and heavily constructed photo, um, which she like got a following because that's yes. that's what she posts. It's her it's yeah, her yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. She she and her husband Kevin, like they 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 pioneered this form called the cinemagraph. Like yeah. I, I I I profiled them like a million years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like so yeah, her her art form is is this thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's very frustrating, I think, for people like that to no longer like because where there maybe there was a scenario where instagram talked to creators like that who are posting photos and figured out like okay what what is the new thing that we could do how could we change this platform to be more successful but maybe in a way that people aren't expecting in a way that isn't just copying what happens to be the new hotness of short video platforms um but they they didn't do that they just <laughs> made tiktok but worse i uh uh, Bree, sorry, any more thoughts on that? No, no, no. Help me understand this. So in Facebook's video, um, you know, they they said they basically well, most of the video was police Kardashians don't hurt Facebook. <laughs> then it was a thinly veiled pretext about, you know, pitching the the future of what they see Instagram as being. And you know, him saying flat out, you know, like I think the future of Instagram is is video. So I feel like I probably use Instagram in a very, very different way than than y'all do because mm-hmm. my stuff, like I get on there for for car pictures. Like I'm on car Instagram. Which That's is exactly a- <gasps> what I use it for now. Too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I I don't under I I I'm not trying to be snarky or 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 I I I don't understand why like my idea of what most Instagram users are why they would want that to be video because the car content on there, I enjoy, like, if I want video content, I'm just going over to YouTube and watching Donut Media, right? Like, I, I don't understand, I don't see why that would be true. Do do y'all agree with that? I think I do. I, I do believe that video, long-form video content is down even on youtube so Mm -hmm. they're not wrong that there is an interest in short form video right but i think where there is where they are wrong is in believing it has to be exactly like tiktok Mm -hmm. um and and you're you're totally correct Bray, because like then if instagram becomes so video focused what what is the platform for simply sharing photos because (laughs) right i don't know is it it twitter in this case Right, right. Are we going to bring Flickr back? No, I mean, oh. and, and the thing is, the thing is, like, I think that, and I'm okay with actually probably more than some people with having a heavier video mix, just because, like, Instagram has been going, like, they've been saying that, like, video is is kind of the future of Instagram. They've literally been saying that for mm-hmm. eight or nine years. Like, that, that, that's that been that's been clear. And, and I think that, you know, obviously, it's a lot easier to monetize video and other things. And I get that. And, like, I think that, you know, stories, which they've kind of, you know, kind of neutered in some ways, and I'll let you talk about kind of your thoughts on that. Like, they've done some mess up things there. But, you know, they had live, they've had a bunch of different formats. I'm okay with video. What I'm not okay with is A, putting all this stuff into my feed that I didn't ask for and I didn't follow and that doesn't even match my interests. Like the thing is, is we, we can like be mad about like how TikTok does what it does and think that it's creepy and think that like, 
you know, like the, 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 you know, um, Chinese, you know, state is, is doing some stuff that's maybe not okay, but like, at least they can show me entertaining things and, Mm -hmm. and like offer me delight. I don't get that experience with Instagram more than that. I don't even see the video, the video stuff from my friends, right? Like I don't even see their stuff anymore. Um, the comedian, um, uh, uh, Matt uh, Buscelli, he, I, I got his, uh, uh, tweet, which is actually a link to his TikTok in, um, the, the comments, but he like described, he was like, basically like, okay, so like, here's the thing with, w- w- with how like Instagram has changed. And they were like, you know, in the old days, it was like, oh, here's your photos of your friends. And now it's like, okay, if you want to see this stuff, we're going to hold you hostage, um, <laughs> and make you view all of these other things and, and do all this stuff just so, just so you can see your family. And if you do all that, we're still not going to basically let you do it. And that's kind of what they've done is that like, <laughs> it's almost like, I feel like they've gone out of their way to make it impossible for me to actually see people, whether it's video or not to, to do it. But I also agree. I think that there, I think it's just a different format. I think it's, I think it's okay to not be everything to everyone. I think it's okay to like acknowledge that yeah, short form video is having a moment and TikTok is doing really well and YouTube shorts are doing really well. You don't have to be all in on that and you don't have to pivot your entire business towards that. Like the, like be happy with the product that you have. If you want to do another product, then do what you normally do Facebook and just create another product that will fail and and try (laughs) to get that to take off. Do you think this has to do with the, uh, the story that came out today, uh, about, uh, the larger panic at, at Facebook? Uh, basically there was a piece that came out today, Talking, uh, it basically had uh, uh, audio clips from Zuckerberg, uh, basically lecturing Facebook to do more with the with urgent, do more with less, and do it with urgency. Basically talking on how you know interns, uh, they had interns come into Facebook. Uh, I'm sorry, not really a place where people are beating down the d- door to work at these days, uh, where they spent all summer not even seeing their kids, and now they're finding mm-hmm. out they're not even going to be hired, and you know basically pushing towards this this frantic vision of meta which i'm sorry i still just flat out don't believe is ever going to happen right mm-hmm. uh do you think like like it's clear that facebook is kind of panicking because yeah. they're not they're they're just less relevant than they used yeah. to be i'm sorry no uh, well, I, that's yeah. exactly what they're dealing with i think yeah. and i think that for most of their existence instagram was at least always the outlier and they could always kind of have a competitor like when snapchat came on the scene they were able to frankly like they were bigger than snapchat and they were able to kind of hurt snapchat to the point where snapchat had to pivot in some interesting ways right mm-hmm. um tiktok they haven't been able to do that and, 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 and I think it scares them because I think that they're like feeling they're similar to like millennials. Like we like feel our own relevance slipping as like the younger generation <laughs> comes up. And I think that like, I, I think that that's part of it. I will say in the only thing I will say in defense of Facebook, they overhired, like their, their like staff count basically doubled in the last two and a half years, which is insane. Um, and, and like, I, I'm not saying people should be working long hours or anything, but also if your CEO, when the, when we are in a recession, when like the economy is what it is. And when like, you're talking about things where you, you know, need to like, kind of like try to try to shore up, that's not the time. And like an, an all hands to then be like asking about like, oh, well those extra days off we got during the pandemic, are we going to continue to have those? Like, like that, that's, that's not a great question to ask. I don't know if any of the interns did that. I, their interns are also paid more than most people. 
Like, so, you know, I, I'm sorry if <laughs> they didn't get them. a job, but also they're paid like $100,000. So, you know, like, sure. The, the so, point of the article was more like, um, uh, not, not like, woe be the interns, more like this is um, really foreshadowing some eventual staffing cuts at Facebook. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, they, 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 and, well, Zuck, Zuck has said that. Like, he, he yeah. said a lot of people could go, which yeah. I think is fair. Like, I think they completely probably over overhired, and that's unfortunate. And then they announced earnings on Wednesday, which for the first time in their history – were, were uh, they had a drop in revenue for the first time. So yeah. not Oof. only are they hitting like, you know, Apple is, has really cut into to their revenue because of, of the the stuff in, in iOS, you know, for blocking the tracking. Then you have, you know, TikTok who doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff because, you know, um, they're not selling ads that way and they've got their their hooks and, and things in other regards who's stealing attention and, and stealing, you know, kind of like, you know, popularity yeah, I, I think that they're completely on the wall. And so they're trying to make anything happen, happen. And in my opinion, they're making some really bad product decisions. Like, Yeah, it, yeah. It, the it, way that it yeah. has rolled out is just deeply alienating and unpleasant. Speaking, uh, no, I don't have a good, I don't have a good segue for it. Dang. <laughs> Want to talk about Coinbase? Let's do it. Speaking of unpleasant things. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of unpleasant things. Thank you so much, Christina. Charges, we are now moving into the second segment of the show, everyone. We're lampshading it. Charges have been brought against an ex-Coinbase manager for insider trading of digital coins. According to the filing, the employee advised his brother and a friend to buy up certain tokens before they were listed on Coinbase, allowing them to get in on the ground floor. The participants are being charged with wire fraud conspiracy and wire fraud and have been accused of insider trading by the SEC. According to Bloomberg, Coinbase uh, cooperated with the probe into the case, uh, although it could still potentially lead to further scrutiny of Coinbase, although in this particular case, they were not at fault. It was just an employee uh, doing the age old act of trying to make money through fraud. Brianna, I think you brought this one to our attention. What do you think about this? I guess in terms of it, it kind of seems like it's been a, a while coming. Well, this is, it's very similar to uh, the National Highway Safety Institute looking into Tesla uh, full self-driving. Mm. This is very similar in the sense that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, um, there's been an open legal question about the way that many cryptocurrency uh, products are marketed because they certainly look like securities and <laughs> they seem to be marketed like to investors like securities. And, uh, you know, there have been a lot of people on traditional Wall Street looking at this and going, uh, why are you not held to the same regulatory uh, standards that, that, that we are? Um, you know, and, and basically it is looking increasingly like they are going to move into this area and start uh, uh, looking more aggressively at that. Uh, you know, the some of the charges that have been brought forward here are that, um, you know, basically they, they should have filed uh, some of the products they were marketing as securities, and they did not. Uh, which is going to have huge consequences through the entire industry, you know, because it, it's really been the Wild West. You know, mm -hmm. the reason Elon is able to go on Twitter and, 
you know, pump the 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 price of Dogecoin and make a whole bunch of money, it's because it's completely unregulated, as is all <laughs> cryptocurrency. So, you know, if you're talking about some of the the products that uh, you know this industry is marketing, now being you know uh, having to be held to the same standards, where yeah, you do have to register it with the SEC. Yes, you do have to fall into these rules with how you uh, market it to investors, how you report it. Uh, you know how you uh, if you can manipulate the Price to these pump and dump schemes, uh, you know, you're really looking at at literal jail time at that point for a lot of cryptocurrency people. So uh, I'm, you know, I've been really consistent about this. Like even when we were doing Rocket back in 2015, and cryptocurrency got hot, I I had a very consistent message on this. I'm not like as a whole opposed to cryptocurrency, but if we are going to have it, we need to have it regulated because it just it has so much potential for fraud and and mm-hmm. other other things like the the rug pulls that we've seen right and left here. So, I'm very happy to see regulators uh stepping in finally. And so was Mad Money's Jim Cramer. Right. <laughs> and it's not often that I agree with that dude on anything. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what's notable here is I don't know if we because we haven't seen this happen in, in any other instances, I think mostly because the SEC probably wouldn't have jurisdiction, but because Coinbase is a publicly traded company, because they do act as an exchange, and because of the nature of their business, that means that the things that they list, like the assets they list, like in this case, the SEC is saying that nine of them, like there were the, um, the SEC said that like the the, the scheme involved 25 um, different assets um, that were, I guess, I guess shorted, but but they pointed out that nine of them, they they said in their complaint, were securities. And now it's possible they can amend that complaint and they could say that more of them count that way too. So I'm not really clear on like how they're differentiating between like what coin is a security and what isn't and, and what gains are and what weren't. But this is, this is you know, obviously interesting because as, as you said, Bree, this has been sort of an open question for a number of years, which is how can these things be treated legally? And, and there hasn't really been any legislation um, or, or regulation or around this area. Um, understandably, as people who are against kind of this regulation are, are calling it like, um, from, I'm quoting a Bloomberg Law article here, but um, uh, this was um, somebody who was a, a representative um, from um, um, a, a Republican member of the Commodities Futures Trading Commission. Um, Carolyn Pham said that it was a striking example of regulation by enforcement. And, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily wrong, but but I also, in this case, I'm not really opposed to it. I think that it, it's it's notable that there hadn't been any, you know, um, uh, regulation up until this point. We still kind of don't have that. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, kind of what their justification for things are. But I have a feeling it's because Coinbase is so centralized. It's because it's a public company. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've been doing things above board in a way that a lot of the other exchanges and and some of the offshore ones like Binance, which is the, the biggest exchange, doesn't operate in the United States. Um, and, and so there's less kind of ways that for a lot of these other rug pulls um, and, and this I don't even I wouldn't even call a rug pull. I think this is this is flat out insider trading. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, like like honestly, like this is just like flat out insider trading. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like this is, this is like textbook literally, um, ex- except that, you know, the, the Coinbase guy hit it way worse than people who, you know, would, would do insider trading at, at bigger companies usually do in, in back in the eighties and stuff. Um, but you know, this was just taking a tip and, and, and trading on it early. Um, so I, I think it, but, I, but I don't know if we would see this 
if it weren't happening with like a company that, you know, even though like we've been really critical of them and I think that's totally fair. And, and, uh, you know, they also uh, launched a ridiculous like video trilogy thing this week because that's what they're doing instead of, you know, keeping their what employees are, What employees. do you mean? Video it, trilogy? What uh, is Coinbase this? released some sort of stupid video thing that they spent all kinds of money on, um, some sort of meme-filled um, thing. With a Deegan uh, or, or, or Deegan, the, 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 the Deegan uh, trilogy, which they're, you know, kind of making it like an NFT type of thing. It, it's, it's dumb. So it's like a narrative thing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's a topic for another week. Um, yeah, it, it, it's dumb. Yeah. But, but anyway, what I was going to say though is I don't know if we would see this happen if this weren't happening in like a company that was operating above board. And that's a, that's a good thing, if, if, if only because it's forcing regulation by whatever means necessary, whether it's by enforcement or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think that's something I'm super interested in. And I, I, I did not have time to look into this enough to see the like wider responses but to me it brings up something we've discussed before which is this tension between like recognition and legitimacy for mm-hmm. bitcoin versus decentralization which is yep. one of the core tenets of of web3 and then also at the same time like uh, enforcement or regulation like i i think as as you one of you just now mentioned oh boy now i'm getting hot yeah, they're doing enforcement by regulation now, but proper, proper regulation would be its own sort of restriction closing around Bitcoin or sorry, cryptocurrency as as a as a principle. And it sounds like this is going to be sort of an ongoing battle for a mm-hmm. while, because obviously it does need to be kept under control in some way because people are getting frauded every dang day. <laughs> but, you know, how how do you keep the the freedom, which is such a central tenet of people who are interested in cryptocurrency versus keeping people safe who are dabbling in this or who are using it to to defraud and to hurt and to steal from right. people? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a legal theory, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna bring this forward. I'm sure a lot of money. It's gonna be uh, a case that's gonna be very highly watched by everyone in the field. Like question one is, like, can the SEC even like uh, operate here, right? Like if they're they're claiming that this should be a security, this is gonna be a very important court case, right? Like like that claim. So we're gonna have to see that go forward. We're gonna have to see how you know this court rules on it, if it gets appealed, if it goes to the Supreme Court. I mean, this is a, it's a really big moment for, uh, for the cryptocurrency industry. This is not like a, a night day on off switch, like mm-hmm. you know, nothing concrete changes here. Uh, but I do hope that it starts getting like people that are at least plausibly honest actors. You know, like, like you said, Christine, the coin bases of the world, we can criticize them, but they're they're trying to operate above the law here, right? Yeah. And if they have to start thinking, wow, we really could be facing fraud charges here, um, you know, hopefully that 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 threat of you know uh, criminal liability <laughs> that could cause them to you know operate in a more above board fashion than the cryptocurrency industry typically does. Yeah. Right. And one one thing I would just note is is that although the SEC has obviously like 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 uh brought charges, like those aren't aren't legal charges, in addition, the the um the 
the SDNY has also uh, filed criminal charges um, and, and, and this guy was arrested. So there, there are two different groups here. So he was arrested for insider trading. And then the SEC also had their own um, a probe into saying that he was, you know, violating their anti-fraud rules. So, so this is, this is, this is a criminal case too. So this is, this is, this is both. Um, and, in like I, I fully expect Coinbase to roll over and do everything they can to help both the SEC yeah. and the SDNY in this case. Um, so um, you're right that like we don't know how this is going to turn out. But I also, unless this person happens to have some sort of massive largesse and and really good lawyers, which I kind of doubt. Um, you know, they think that the company in this case is 100% going to do everything they can um, to to kind of get in front of this because they don't want to be like. They, they don't want further probes. I mean, it was also yeah. one of those things, you know, that this was caught on Twitter. I mean, this is what's so interesting was that someone, you know, who watches these things noticed that wallets who had been part of other types of scams too, it turns out, although, you know, who knows how interrelated those things were, had made bets um, on um, a number of these securities like right before um, or, or assets, I, I guess it should be should be the term I should use, the, these coins before they were listed and had had made big investments in them and then immediately they were able to, able to kind of say, hey, the history of this, this looks weird. This looks like this is somebody internally and kind of pinged, you know, Coinbase. And sure enough, it was it was, a, it was an insider employee who had access to that stuff. And so the fact that some, you know, person who spends way too much time staring at the blockchain could figure this out, um, I think just goes to show like the irony with, with a lot of people using Cryptocurrency, as you mentioned, Simone, which is it's a beautiful record, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? It is. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like we we have this 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 great thing where it's like, oh, you know, it's decentralized and it can be private and this and that. Yeah, there's also a record of everything you ever do, and it's uh, now remarkably easy. Like it's a lot more difficult to launder money through through Bitcoin. Like it was difficult back in the day, or it was easy back in the day, but now it's it's pretty difficult to kind of get one over on people. So, and and this guy didn't even really try. So, you know, again, is that tension between, oh, we're decentralized and we're the future and we're this and that. And then also, no, there's a record of everything and you're doing it on a centralized platform. <laughs> well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this uh, as the cases go forward and what it means for the future of Coinbase and also cryptocurrency exchanges. Let's move on to today's dessert, uh, a special Ooh. Simone-centric dessert. <laughs> That I've already ranted about with my roommate, but I I have so I have more notes for this than I had for any other part ah. of the podcast. <laughs> A glorious article by L. Griffin in Esquire asks, "What if you could own a stake in Harry Potter, which is a lead that is not only perfectly designed to enrage half of Twitter, but also mm -hmm. a completely bonkers statement that is the actual goal." of some real startups like Riedel, Alexandria Labs, and Paragraph. And I'm going to read to you now, <laughs> children gather round, one of the first paragraphs uh, from this article describing these what some of these companies hope to do. Suddenly, a trip to Barnes & Noble becomes an investment opportunity. Early readers could spot the next big thing and make a $100 contribution that becomes $10,000 or even $100,000 if the book's popularity grows. If readers could own a percentage of the franchise, they might even be incentivized to help that book succeed. 
They could start a TikTok account to promote the book via BookTok or use their talents as filmmakers to adapt it to the screen. All of this stands to increase the value of their original investment. So essentially, the startups, the startups are dipping their little toes into the admittedly floundering publishing industry, uh, trying to invent a system in which authors and investors would own a work's copyright (laughs) together on the blockchain. Uh, proponents of these schemes are saying this would allow the author to always own part of their creation, uh, something which, like, if you if you sell a book to a publisher, they might hold the copyright. Uh, in this case, you might retain the copyright and always get something back for it. Stakes in book series could theoretically be resold for profit, for example, uh, with a percentage that would always go to the author. But then also... the great thing is the readers could make money too which is exactly what i am thinking about whenever i read a book one of the most telling quotes in this piece to me came from maya thomas of hachette leave uh, which is like an actual hachette is a legitimate company massive yeah one of the biggest publishers yeah (laughs) when asked what kind of authors might be interested in publishing like this she said uh to uh griffin and esquire maybe the question should be what kind of people rather than authors, which is kind of like saying, what if the books that we published were bad? <laughs> uh, there, there are so many more parts of this, but I want to pause here and, and just open the floor to initial reactions to, I guess, the idea uh, which of you would love to own a stake in Harry <gasps> Potter? Do you want to invest? well that no um okay okay this is this is my straight up thought on this um i i don't know how many like like book agents or publishers like y'all know but I, i i have quite a few friends in that field and they tend to be a very specific personality type that is the literal opposite of all the libertarian crypto bros that look at everything in existence and go, you know what would make that better? Web 3.0 extracting every single bit of capital out of that possible. I mean, the book publishing industry, I think we'd all, we're all very aware of like the the challenges that it has, but that is due to a lack of like it's due to a, a huge monopoly in the marketplace that is just slashing everyone else's profit there left and right. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I I don't think that the mass public going through a slush fund, a slush <laughs> pile and like looking for diamonds to fund, I don't think that's going to like it doesn't even make sense. Like the cost of publishing a book is not is not massive. It's the marketing, it's the promotional, uh it's like the deciding which books are going to be at airports. Like they're they're attacking something is not the central part of the problem here. If you're truly interested in like making the book industry better, like I love Audible. We read ads for them all the time on this show, but the reality is they take what is it, 75% of the money you give an author? Like that's going straight to Amazon, right? That's a bad deal. So like those are the things you need to be thinking about in publishing, not not cryptocurrency schemes, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know I know a lot about the the publishing industry, and and it is not in a good space, as as you mentioned. 
at the top, Simone, which is one of the reasons why you oftentimes see these sorts of grifters come into it. And I will call them grifters because that's what they are, because you see people who are um, in kind of a, a, a declining and, and difficult industry that has always been hits based. And that and that's always been what it is. And it's always been based on, you know, like who can, you know, it, it, it's based on like, like making bets and who has what and packaging and marketing and whatnot. And, um, trying to, to kind of, you know, figure out how they can, how they too can profit from these things. Cause you have had these outliers, um, over, over the past, you know, um, uh, 20 or 30 years or so, where you've had some really big mainstream successes that have not come through like the, the traditional, um, publishing route, you know, like, like, uh, rather than, than, than Harry Potter, 50 shades of gray would probably have been a better comparison. Um, yeah. especially since, since Wattpad is, is mentioned in this article, which is hilarious to me for lots of reasons, because Wattpad has been trying, they raise a lot of funding and they've been trying to, you know, make themselves a thing for a while and they have not been successful, um, at kind of growing beyond their, their niche. But all these things, I think that it's, it, it, I, I tend to agree with you, Brie. It, it's a lot of people who seem to not understand books, uh, talking with people who, um, you know, are, are real hype on crypto. And so you've got like the, these, these dumb book people and these dumb crypto people <laughs> talking together. Um, it, this reminded me though, I had to look back and find this tweet. This was from December. I'd found this thing. It was called Codex and who knows if they're even still tweeting, but it was, it was Codex Athens. Like Codex is a new decentralized marketplace for the publication, <sighs> purchase, exchange, and sale of digital books powered by the Flow blockchain and Alchemy platform. We elevate NFTs to the world of book publishing. And then oh. there was a whole thread about how they do it. And I was incensed because I was like, this, this is, uh, this is literally like, you could not have something that is the opposite of, of what like the internet stood for. So my, my, my tweet thread said, I was like, remember when the internet's ethos was quote, information wants to be free. Now it's quote, books want to be artificially constrained and turned into a speculative investment. Imagine Ooh. arguing, which I thought Ooh. was a very good tweet, which was a good tweet. And then I followed up and said, imagine arguing with a straight face that libraries should be decentralized um, F off, uh, but I, I, I use the real word. Decentralized traditional publishing, sure, but decentralizing access and turning knowledge into gatekeeping, speculative hoarding is so effed. And and I and I feel that way. And I when I look at things like this, which is I, I kind of have to feel the same way. Is like you already have this very gatekeeper industry, which is publishing. And look, I'm I'm all about like trying to like bring more people into it, even though the the, the pie doesn't really get any bigger. It's just the slices get smaller and you just still have the, the big people who are going to get their big slices. But like, I'm all about trying to like make it more equitable and bring more people into it. I don't think this is the way to do it. And I don't think that by like basically selling, like selling this to individuals, oh yeah, you know, you can make now make a speculative investment on whether or not you're going to have some ownership stake in the future of this book. I mean, how is that good for authors if, if, if readers can buy in on this possibly? too? Because I mean, you know what I mean? Like, because like, because the whole complaint is, oh, well, you sell your, your rights and your copyright or whatever to a publisher, which yeah, maybe you do. And you make a lot of money and you get royalties from it. But how is that any better than selling it to like the masses who, who are still going to divvy it up if it's super successful? Like, honestly, how yeah. does that help the and, author? And in a world where we were discussing this story in uh chat just a couple of weeks ago, like in a world where fans through social media are more able than ever to exert their will over how yep. a story should be portrayed. Speaking, yep. of course, of uh, the Snyder Cut 
of mm-hmm. um freaking I I've totally forgotten the name of the movie Justice League Justice League thank you um which was essentially it it, it was a very successful fan campaign um but essentially they did pretty much bully just by being really really noisy yep. the company into into getting what they want like I I don't really I I don't have a lot of I, I think that, you know, the Warner Brothers execs, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them feeling scared about fans being mad online. However, if you give fans material ownership of a story, like the, the example right. I was using with when I was chatting this over with Aaron was like, if I had a stake in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and George R. R. Martin releases the frickin' Red Wedding... <laughs> like, 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 there are certain things where as an author... You could describe to me like, okay, I'm going to do this to my characters. And there's always going to be a reader who's going to be like, no, this isn't what I want. Exactly. How could you do this? And like, you cannot, you cannot listen to them. You cannot give them what they want because they do not know what they want. And I look back on The Red Wedding now and I'm like, this is, I loved this. This is masterful. I hate it at the same time. It hurt me, but that's, that's what makes it good. But when we ex- when we have a financial stake in things, mm-hmm. I, we do feel, I think, a, a legitimate sense of ownership, yeah. and like that that should not be the relationship between an author and a reader. No, no, I agree. I mean, honestly, what happens when you do that is is frankly what happens with like the MCU. The MCU, I think, is in many ways a product of of like over. I think they're they're. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Justice League went is a good example, but I think like Disney completely placates to their audience and gives them yeah. fan service at the expense of creativity. I think Martin Scorsese is right. They are cookie cutter films. I watch them. I love them, but it's not art. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to argue with a straight face that it's art. Like, I saw Nope over the weekend, and that was an interesting film, and it was it, it had me, you know, thinking in different ways, and that has an artistic statement, right? But there were already people who will critique and do every little thing, and that's fine. Fans are allowed to express and deconstruct things, but you don't get ownership of it, and you, it shouldn't become this symbiotic thing where now, well, because you have ownership, you have control. No, I'm the author. I have... Mm-hmm you know, control for better or worse how my story ends, right? I mean, like, like that that I think is like a principal part of creation, right? Like if you want to be part of the, if you want to share it with the collective, that's fine. But like the power imbalance goes way too far in the other ways. I'm not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just imagine how bad that court case could get, right? Like, <laughs> like well, yeah, you, the author you, does a plot twist and it devalues your investment. Right. What do you do? Right. 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 Who has the ownership there? Is it like a is it like a DAO? Is it is there a a legal representative? I I imagine they're acting as a proxy. I I imagine it's written so they can (laughs) arbitrate on their their um, behalf. But yeah, I I think you said it all, Simone. Like Mm -hmm. like, this is this is uh, this is like another word for uh, bad bad work. Like this is just not going to work out. Uh, well, I, there's so much more to say, but I think we should probably wrap it up there. Yes, please. Uh, hey, Christina, what are you doing this week? Um, I'm trying to avoid the heat. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm sorry for, for rushing us through this, but yeah, I'm like, actually like sweat is pouring down my body. Yep. Um, Seattle's in the middle of a heat wave. It's awful. So I'm trying to stay cool. And, uh, that's basically what I'm doing. And Chris, or Brianna, what about you? <laughs> 
Why am I doing this week? Well, I went to go see my nieces uh, last week, and I, I wanted to give both of you a special shout out <gasps> on the show because I, you know, I'm sitting there hanging out with a 13 year old and a 15 year old, and I genuinely think I would not have been able to connect <laughs> with them as yeah. well as I did if it weren't for the pop culture topics y'all drag up every week on the show, which I would have no idea about. Like they were talking about Addison Rae and some drama. I'm like, yeah. I know all about this. I follow Christina. I got this game on lock, y'all. So, uh, Forever uh, teens, thank, yay. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. And Christina, Christina came for, through for me today and helped me get them in uh, a uh, Dyson Airwrap, which Aww. I really appreciated. So uh, this week I am starting my massive project. Uh, I got... <laughs> I don't know if I told y'all about this last week. Uh, Stop me if I did. But uh, so 24 is a pinball game that came out that has some of the worst sound design ever in any pinball game ever. It is so bad. Uh, The voice actress for it is Chloe from 24, and her line readings are terrible. The music is terrible. There's a utility that will let you hack pinball games. So because the actual game is good, it's just the sound design that's ruining it, uh, I went and got this 24 machine, which cost almost nothing, and I'm going to rebuild it into a live another day pinball machine, which is the best Ooh. season of 24. And I'm going to completely swap out the decals and the, the trans, uh, trans light on the back of it. That's the, the light behind the pinball machine with the live another day logo. And then I'm going to go get the Blu-rays for this. And I'm going to extract voice clips from it. And I'm going to take out the bad Chloe acting from this <laughs> and put in the good Chloe acting from 24 uh, live another day. And I'm going to win some pinball awards with this thing. My God. (laughs) And I want to tell you one more thing. Frank had the most ingenious thing idea ever. I looked and both uh, Chloe and Renee Walker uh, are both on Cameo. And Frank had the idea to just write them on Cameo and ask them to read some lines for me over Cameo and see if I could use that. So that is my other hacking thing that I'm going to do. Please do that. That's such a good idea. (laughs) Um, I'm gearing up for the Hungry hungry Grand Prix. (laughs) I'm still in it. I'm sorry. It's all happening. Um, Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm having another, it's another race weekend and then F1 goes on summer break and then I'll maybe, you know, like be able to think about literally anything else again. Um, I do genuinely feel so invigorated by being in this fandom though. Like it's been so nice to be like, to feel my brain working again, uh, which Ah. is really cool. Other than that, uh, I'll have a new video coming out next week and it's about horses. So get ready so Yay! are you gonna end up on car twitter with the rest of us simone i mean are you gonna be looking for a for a used uh porsche 9 924 oh. at, at some point there's i want there's something i want to talk to you about but it's so hot and i know we need to wrap okay. up the show okay. but okay. uh let's put a pin in this because I, I have car <laughs> i have an interest <laughs> that i need to talk to you about all right that uh, sounds hey, good but while we're here where can we find you online brianna i can find me on twitter at brianna Wu and christina 
You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitter and the Instagram, um, assuming you can actually find my content on Instagram and you aren't un- inundated with yeah, stuff we'll from people you don't know. we'll never see hotel tours again. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I was going to say, no, they, 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 they ruin all that stuff. And um, you can find the videos that I do at work at uh, youtube.com slash github. Awesome. You can find my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. And I am on every other platform at Doom Quasar. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rockets. I hope you enjoyed it. And that if you are, you are literally right now opening Apple Podcasts to leave a five-star review and only a five-star review uh, that helps other people find the show. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.